0: Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Alright everybody, I'm trying something new on this one. I admit, I saw this, I saw other analysts doing it, I think I saw Josh do it last year. I saw somebody do it again this season, I can't remember who, timeline's flashing by. Josh probably started it. I, I don't know, I educated guess. But it looked fun as hell, so I thought I would do one too. So, shout out to Josh and whoever else came up with this idea before him or after him or whatever, but it seemed like it would be a blast. This show is probably not going to be as, uh, let's see, the analysis is probably not going to be as deep, biting, game-changing level that we try to have on most episodes. This one's going to be a little bit more fun, but fun is okay at this time of year. So what we're doing on this episode, which is titled My Perfect Draft, is I assumed we had kind of a middle, mid-pack pick, like fourth, fifth, sixth, something in that range um, for a snake draft. And... I went through the Yahoo pre-ranks and I looked at the players that are generally available near that spot in each round. So first round available near five, second round available near like 19, 20, 21, third round available near 30 or later, obviously. And so on and so forth down the line through the first 10 rounds. 120, basically, because at that point, everybody's ADP is kind of the same So like your 9th, 10th, 11th, 12th, 13th, whatever, that's like kind of a hodgepodge. After about the 9th round, most of the, maybe 10th, most of the guys that you're like, these are the dudes that I'm looking at are gone. And I know that you might look at the Yahoo board and you might see someone uh, pre-ranked in like the 120s or something like that, but if there's any buzz at all attached to their name, they'll be gone before then. Like, Bruce Brown is pre-ranked 123, his ADP is ahead of 120. Keegan Murray is pre-ranked 133, his ADP is 102. Those guys are not in this list, but just examples of guys who have later pre-ranked, earlier ADP, because you can just assume that anybody with any level of intrigue is gone by 120, and so I thought we could just sort of end this goofy, fun little exercise at the 10th round. Uh, I also decided that I would try my hand at sharing a PowerPoint presentation. A very remedial one, mind you. Uh, But there was some feedback on a couple of recent episodes of this show stating that the screen share I was doing of an internet browser was blurry. So we'll try something else. Just trying things. Trying to make things better. It's a low-tech operation over here. But uh, that's what we're doing. So, welcome to this special bonus episode of Fantasy NBA Today. I am Dan Bespris at Dan DanBespris on social media. If many of you are finding this for the first time, because it is sort of a fun, buzzy little thing that we're doing, I hope you'll also find me over on Twitter, at D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. I do uh, too many things on social media. I'm first person to admit that. I spend too much time over on Twitter, but I hope you guys will find me over there. I would love to interact with you. We're doing a Rate My Team thread right now. Some 85, 90 of you have already replied to that, and I'm like maybe half the way through but the rest of you are invited to do so as well. Also, if you want to throw a comment in here, happy to get to it live or after the fact. I try to check YouTube pretty regularly these days as we, myself and Sports Ethos as a whole, have been spending more time trying to invest in this particular service. So, let's see how this thing goes. We'll start at the top, we'll throw it on the board, and boom, there you go, Dan's perfect draft. It looks like it's working so far. Uh, Again, explanation... We already got through that sort of, this doesn't mean that this team is going to be perfect. This is my idea of a guy that I would really like to take generally where they're going in each round. So let's do this and see if it works. It worked with a fade and everything. So if I have a uh, middle first, and sometimes he doesn't get there, but I'm assuming that at this point I'm kind of choosing not between Nikola Jokic and Embiid and Doncic. Those guys are going at the front end, and I don't have to venture all the way down to the back end of the first round because that's where you're talking about guys like Kevin Durant, Anthony Davis, um, even Lamella Ball, Giannis, Dame, that type. Of, I mean, I could pick those guys if I wanted to, but this is the mid-chunk I'm talking about. So Shea, Halliburton, Steph Curry, Jason Tatum. I mean, I guess you could extend that to Dame and, and Giannis if you wanted to, but... Uh, The guy that I like in this range for a while was Halliburton, but Yahoo has moved him back up on the board, and I'm seeing his hype train picking up a little bit. I'm actually seeing Halliburton go um, maybe even closer to four than six or seven lately. So um, while he's likely my second favorite, I went with Shea. Uh, I love this start you're getting there with scoring, because if you can get 30 points per game out of your first rounder and he has a decent chance to get back there again this year, that's a great spot to get it because scoring is a little bit harder with positive attributes around it. Not a bad start in rebounding from a guard at five per game. It's not great. Obviously, the other first rounders are typically getting you more than that. Even Steph is getting got six last year. The assists at five and a half are not going to really elevate your team out of the guard spot, but you're also not going to sink yourself because it's better than guys like Embiid or a center. Uh, Durant was at 5, if you're going later in it. And then Steph is at 6, and Dame will probably come back down a little bit this year, and Tatum was at 4.5, so it's not the end of the world. Excellent steals number for Shea, 1.6. That's a big start there. One block per game out of a guard is outstanding, so that's going to cover up some stuff that we might be able to do later. Great field goal percent. um, Outstanding free throw number. Turnover is actually not all that high, so we may be competitive in that department as well. And then the only big downside with Shea is that he doesn't shoot the three ball. We'll have to worry about maybe covering that up a little bit later on in our uh, Dan's favorite draft. Uh, Moving back to this one, we're going to segue into the next one, and that is Kawhi Leonard, who is, I admit, a little bit of a roll of the dice here towards the end of the second round. Again, we're talking about pick like 20, 21, something in that range But the other options there are Jaron Jackson Jr., who I like a lot, actually, but doesn't give me that across-the-board stuff that I'm still looking for here at the front end. I know JJJ is probably going to beat Kawhi by totals this season, but I also think Kawhi has top five per-game potential. I think he actually plays more this season than the last couple. Um, I'm getting another nice uh, points guy towards the end of the second round, mid-20s. Um, not a ton of threes, but a couple per game starts to, I don't want to say eliminate the erosion there, but doesn't get any worse. Uh, rebounds are solid for Kawhi six and a half. That's better than league average. And you're getting it out of a wing Assists at four is solid for a wing player as well. Excellent steals, decent blocks actually at half a block per game. So now I've got one and a half blocks and I haven't even taken a big man yet. Great percentages. Again, you know, me. I love my percentages, putting those two guys together. I have a massive start in both field goal and free throw number. And again, I haven't even taken a big man, and my field goal percent is locked in. So uh, I like the start I'm getting in blocks out of non-big men. I love the start I'm getting in field goal percent out of non-big men. The only thing I don't really like on my team to this point is three-pointers. So uh, when will we deal with that? is the question you guys are all asking yourselves. And I, and the other one you're probably asking is, Dan, are you horrified that this could go completely awry with Kawhi? And, awry, going awry with Kawhi. And the answer to that is yes, it could. But I expect Shea to be relatively durable this year. And if you get, if you're drafting twa- Kawhi at about 20, um, and he's a top six, top seven per game guy, you really only need him to get into the 60s in games played and you're basically good to go. Next player on my list, do perfection, and this is another one that's got a bit of risk attached to it, and that's James Harden. He's dropping into the early to mid third rounds lately, Um, and he covers some of the stuff that my team lacks in this particular draft. Harden was around three three three-pointers a game last year, so now I finally have a positive contributor in that category, He's not a great scorer. Uh, Wherever he goes right now, he's likely to be more of a facilitator. But I'm actually okay with that because you're still looking at 20 points per game, which is fine. Again, not like elevating the team. Uh, But other things that Harden does. Six plus rebounds per game out of the guard spot. And if he goes someplace where the center isn't Joel Embiid, that's a number that could actually go up. Obviously, we're getting outstanding assists out of Harden. Defensive stats are actually good for him as well. Steals and blocks have always been higher than league average for James. So steals are outstanding right now for this team. Just stellar. And I'm at two blocks per game from the three guys that I've drafted. Still without a big man. That's pretty sweet. Because the other little dudes from the first round, Halliburton, Dame, Steph Curry, those guys are at .3, .4. Um, At some point, I'm going to throw a big man in the mix and I'm not going to need as much stuff from them. I've, I've opened up a lot of avenues by taking these guys that have this really high ceiling. I also have an untouchable free throw number between Harden and Kawhi and Shea. I can kind of do anything I want in that category and get away with it. Folks, picture this nightmare scenario. You're hosting friends for the big game. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com today. Must be 21 plus. Not available in all locations. The fear of James Harden right now, at least I think, is that he ends up on a team where he's marginalized. There's not really going to be a team where he's fully marginalized. He would do less in L.A. than he did in uh, Philadelphia, but also in Philly he was a top 15 per game guy. If you're not hyper concerned with turnovers and my first two picks actually relatively low turnover guys for where I got them so I still think I can be pretty competitive there Um, Harden has still really first round appeal out of a third round draft slot and he like Kawhi, is going to need to stay upright and that's a concern Um, but I'm going to trust that they do at least for a little bit but fear not guys We have some slightly safer picks coming up, and my fourth-rounder is a very safe one, and that's DeMar DeRozan, who, again, doesn't address the fact that I haven't picked up many three-pointers, and this is starting to look more and more like a punt threes team, but I don't know how I could pass up DeMar here. There are other guys you can like in the mid-40s on the Yahoo draft board. Uh, Lord knows um, DeAndre Ayton in the 40s is a solid big man there. If Porzingis slipped that far, He might have been the choice, but with Kawhi and Harden, I don't think I could have advocated another injury-prone guy. Jared Allen in the late 40s, Zach Levine in the late 40s. These guys are all very reasonable plays at that spot. But the one I like the most is DeMar, because I just think that he has the greatest ceiling among them. The only reason I would have gone Zach Levine is if I felt like I badly wanted to get to make up ground in three-pointers because he and DeMar scored about the same number of points per game. Demar had better percentages uh, across the board. He had better defensive stats. Um, Demar was at another half a block for a non-big. So again, I'm at two and a half blocks per game without a big man on my roster. My percentages are insanely good. My scoring is excellent. My assists remain solid now because all four of my guys are good to great in passing. And I don't know that I need to say a whole lot more. A report came out, I think, yesterday that the Bulls are longing for a contract extension with DeMar DeRozan. That makes me less concerned that they're going to move him. They still might. That's a fear there. But it's just not that big of one for me. Um, And plus, I really wanted to go back to somebody who's been extremely durable lately, and DeMar has been that. He played in 74 games last year. I think Shea hit 70 games this season. That'll hopefully cover up the fact that Harden and Kawhi are a bit more risky in the two and the three slot. Um, all of my guys, well, three of my four guys are on the older side, but only one of those three is actually, um, one that you that you sort of consistently say, I can trust this guy to play a bunch of ball games. The other two are a bit more injury prone. So I guess we better stay somewhat safe going forward and take another Chicago bull. And that's Nico Vooch, Vooch, Vucevic is our next play in the fifth round now which I realize you guys are watching this and you're like, Dan, you're creating an unbelievably boring team. But this one to me was a no-brainer because the latest Yahoo board shuffle moved Vooch into the 50s, into the 50s in pre-rank. And there's a lot of fear around him. And I only understand some of it. Now, Vooch isn't going to score a a truckload of points and he's not going to get me a ton of blocks out of the big man spot. But guess what? I was able to go this route because I had actually amassed an okay number of blocks from my first four picks out of guard and wing spots. So Vooch only at .7, maybe that does come back a little bit. His steals might come back as well. He's typically been more like a .8, .9 guy in both, but even if they don't, I already had steals on lock with this team. This brings me to 3.2 if you're tracking blocks. I do now get some three-pointers out of a big man, which is helpful if I do if I want to try to make up some ground in that category later. I haven't decided at this point if I do. And this is a rebounder, which I really badly needed at this juncture, because rebounds were kind of teetering. Shea was at five. Kawhi was at six and change. Harden was at six and change. DeMar was at around five. That's not enough out of four guys, but this gives me a big rebounding bump forward. And getting him in the fifth round is, again, a layup. I mean, we'll use basketball analogies here. It's a layup. Vooch was number 26 per game last year. Uh, His usage did go down the final month, but guess what? He made up for that by being more efficient that last month. When his usage was higher, his efficiency was a little lower. He moved a little closer to the bucket. You could see steals and blocks come back, even if usage tapers a tiny bit more. I don't know why it would. Uh, We're also hearing that Chicago here this preseason is foregoing defense in favor of more offense. That's a good thing. Better ball movement. Play a little faster. That's good for all of those guys. And now I have two of them on this team. Let's get back to the next one. And we're going old again, guys. I promise you we're about to veer away from old. And many of you are going to be getting sick of this show by this time. But Brooke Lopez now has a pre-ranked near 70, which... I was kind of frustrated because the very first board that Yahoo put out back in August, he was pre-ranked in the 50s, and I thought, ah, darn it. I'm expecting Brook Lopez to slow down. He was number 22 in 9-cat last year. I don't expect him to be number 22 again. But I do expect him to basically hold on to that same stat profile. So even if he doesn't get 12 shots per game, even if it's back down towards 10 or something like that, take some points away, take some threes away, take a little bit of the positive impact field goal percent away. I want Brooke Lopez here because he's a big man who blocks a crap ton of shots and doesn't screw up my percentages. And I just got a big with a, with a boatload of rebounds in the last round, so I didn't need to worry about that quite as much with, with him. I have a very old team. I'm fully aware of that at this point. So this is the part of the draft where I think it's a good idea to start looking back a little bit more towards youth. For those that, by the way, are finding me for the first time, I want to remind all of you, I'll make my face a little bit bigger for this, I love boring players. I've made an entire fantasy career on it. These guys go later in drafts than they should, and they consistently clobber their ADPs, especially on a per-game side. By totals, it's a little more iffy with guys like Kawhi and Harden, but certainly on the per-game side, because a lot of them have either... A fear attached to them, and I try not to do too much in the fear department, but boringness. They're sitting in their rocking chair, sucking on their Werther's Originals, and nobody wants them because people are like, well, what's the upside here? Well, the upside is, it's self-created by a negative feedback loop of boringness. They just are boring and boring and boring, and other guys just keep going earlier and earlier and earlier, and... There you go. Brooke Lopez was drafted in the 130 range last year, mostly because he was boring. DeMar DeRozan's been drafted in the 40s and 50s for a decade straight because he's boring. And they beat it every time. And Vooch, for the last, basically since he went to Chicago, underdrafted because he's boring. Take the boring guys, especially in the middle. You don't need to spend a 50-range a, a guy on someone that's like, oh, I wonder if they might be able to get into the 20s. Guess what? Vooch was in the 20s last year. DeMar was in the 20s last year. Brooke Lopez was in the 20s last year. Even with erosion, you have a safety net on guys like that. But I get it. This team is old. This team is boring. We need to do something about that. We'll go younger. Seventh rounder, I like Tyus Jones. And now we basically solidify the fact that we're pretty much punting three-pointers. And that's okay. Tyus Jones isn't going to hit many. We don't have very many. Uh, We're probably going to be bottom two or three in that one department. But look, here's the thing. The Wizards have some end-of-season fear of shutdown, but you should be ending your league three weeks early anyway. So hopefully that takes that issue off the table. And if you're in a Roto League... If he stops playing with two and a half weeks to go, who cares? You could still get 65, 70 games out of him before that happens. Tyus Jones was a monster, a bona fide freaking monster last year when John Morant was on the shelf. If you want to take a look at it, and I don't know how badly we need to do this right now, but just go to Tyus Jones's game log last year. And look at the games where he cleared 30 minutes and tell me that that doesn't get you insanely excited for what he does in a full-time starter's role in Washington. And I get it. Kuzma and Jordan Poole are going to be chucking away out there. But I don't really care. Because Tyus Jones with a dozen shots, to me, is more than enough. That gets him into the teens in scoring. He's going to be initiating a ton because he's a better assist-to-turnover guy than those other dudes. And he's the only real like true, tried and true point guard outside of young dudes who will get more play as the season goes on. Tyus Jones, not a great rebounder that could creep in here. I know Vooch is my good one, but Brooke Lopez doesn't cover that very much. But Tyus Jones with one and some odd threes, also a little bit of a downside for him. Excellent steals guy, going to be a great assist guy, going to be a great efficiency guy. I've managed to, to draft some dudes here that can continue to shore up assists without obliterating my turnovers. I just think there's a lot of room for Tyus Jones to go beyond that mid 70s range where he's getting drafted. Uh he's younger, so you guys can all start you can all stop laughing at me here. <laughs> um and I don't know. I just almost felt like I had to do something a little bit younger. I think he fits with this team okay. He might fit with a different type of team better because this one actually does have a pretty good foundation in assists and steals already. But look, if I if I have too many of them, I can move one of these guys. I think some of you watching this are wondering if this is like how the team needs to be built. It doesn't have to be. If you're in a head-to-head league and you want to lean into strengths, you can do that. If you're in a roto league, you want to lean away from them. That's also fine. This is a list, basically, of the guys that I like the most in the range where they'd be falling if I be, if I had, like, the fifth or sixth pick. <laughs> someone, someone in the chat room is already guessing that CP3 is the next one. He is not, because we've got plenty of assists. We're going old, though! We're back to old again, guys! Um, I, I'm going to have an honorable mention list, by the way, at the end, and some of these guys beat the, by just the tiniest bit... This was the pick because I thought, you know what? Maybe I don't want to get dead last in threes. That was exclusively it. You guys are gonna—I know you're gonna laugh about it because it's another old dude. Um, but Clay Thompson hit four three pointers in a row, uh, in, or four three pointers a game down the stretch last year. He was actually inside the top sixty the second half of last season, not because his shots increased, not because his usage changed at all. He just got his legs underneath him and he started shooting 45 percent instead of 43. That was the difference between early season Clay. And late season clay. It didn't have anything to do with Andrew Wiggins being gone. He just started making his shots a little bit more. And this is a guy that's getting drafted near 100. He just doesn't belong there. He doesn't belong there. And I also think that Clay has a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. Everybody's saying that the Warriors are done. He's old. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, You get a little bit of... I don't know. Feistiness out of it. So old dude... But feisty old dude. There's plenty of meat on the bone there for him. He'll get his 18 shots a game, basically. Uh, and this team badly needed three pointers. I'm treating it like a roto club. I didn't want to go dead last in that. I have some issues though. There's some obvious issues, uh, and let's see if I shore them up with my next one. I sure did, ladies and gentlemen. Mitchell Robinson getting drafted after a hundred. Not an old guy. A little bit brittle. Uh, but per game, mid-50s last season. Not kidding, guys. You can look up these numbers. Mitchell Robinson was mid-50s last year, and I get it. It's because he was very, very good in two or three things. But you know what my team needs this draft? Those two or three things. Mitchell Robinson was very good in rebounding between 9 and 10 per ballgame. He was excellent in defensive stats with almost a steal and almost two blocks per game. Terrific in field goal percent, which this team doesn't really need. But now I can make up for Clay Thompson a little bit with this one. Uh, and I have such an absurd runaway lead in free throw percent that I'm just not that worried about Mitch Robb being bad at the foul line. They've also talked about how it's something that he's been working on throughout the entire offseason. He does not want to be a 48, 50% brittle free throw guy. By the way, I love the comments. You guys are picking dudes that were in the NBA 15 years ago. Um... But look what this team needed. They needed a more traditional big man who could block some shots. I finally am able to sort of put it on top of that. On top of Brook Lopez, on top of my first five guys that were all sort of middle pack in shot blocking, I think he's a really, really good fit. And now the 10th, and this is the last one I'm going to do in the traditional sense. DeAnthony Melton, you guys knew this one was coming. I love Melton. I just think he's a great upshot play in that range. I think Harden gets traded. Melton's a guy who gets it done largely in steals. It's not really a category of need for this team, but by the 10th round, you're not really hunting categorical needs because those guys are not really out there. You're hunting guys with upside because if Melton hits and fills a category like steals, maybe he assists okay, maybe he brings something else a little bit there, that allows you to move someone with bigger name value. That's the way you should be thinking about these guys at the tail end of a draft. If one of these guys hits, I'm not worried about if it's, piling on top of something I already have that would allow me to move someone so let's say Melton hits and I don't need the steals that Tyus Jones is bringing someone will give me something better for him than they give me for Melton uh let's say that Melton hits in something else that we didn't see coming like maybe he's a better three-point shooter that's something that would actually be useful maybe again you move someone from the earlier rounds like uh DeMar DeRozan uh, go get somebody who addresses a different need on this team, whatever that might be. If I want to shore up threes or if I want to shore up some sort of big man stat, that's what you should be hunting Uh, with those late guys. And a good point from the chat room as well, that Melton also gets you like a part of a block, can rebound a bit from the guard position. There's just a lot to like with him there. And he's a guy that I'm always going to be looking at between 110 and 120 couple of late-round honorable mentions. Uh, younger guys, by and large. I guess Jakob Pertl is not super-duper young, but these were other guys I was looking at, uh, and the rounds listed next to them. Pertl in the seventh was someone that uh, piqued my interest, but I figured I could go get Mitchell Robinson in the ninth, and that's why I passed him over. Um, but I think pertle like Mitch Rob, has that 50-ish range per-game potential. Um, he'll be the center for that Raptors team, they were much better with him on the floor. Although admittedly, they it was a Pirtle, Freddie Van Vliet tandem that did a lot of that damage. But uh, I like him in that range. Austin Reeves in the ninth was one I would have looked at if my team didn't so badly need uh, what Mitchell Robinson was bringing. Reeves is a percentages guy. But if you look at my first like five picks in this, percentages are not going to be an issue for this team. So that's why I veered in the Mitchell Robinson direction. If this team was maybe needing uh, a free throw impact guy late in a draft. That's Austin Reeves. There aren't that many of the guys down there that do what he does. And then a uh, 10th rounder that I would have looked at instead of Melton if my team needed a big man uh, would have been Yeko Okongwu. I don't think he's going to play enough to really make that big flying leap forward. Something would have to happen to Clint Capella because he's still the starting center there. Uh, but Okongwu got to number 75 last year and Capella only missed, what, like three-ish weeks of the season? So... Capella misses four, five, six weeks, whatever. That's just a little extra. You can keep kind of sprinkling on top uh, of Okongo. Apologies, I meant to make that screen bigger, and I forgot to do it earlier on. Uh, And those are kind of the honorable mentions. If you wanted to go back and go early and play it like Ultra Fun Team, I'm the wrong analyst for you. (laughs) My mode, my modus operandi here. On Fantasy NBA Today, with me, and some of you are learning this for the first time, I dig old dudes who fall in drafts. This is a boring, boring team. Kawhi is an injury risk, I'm well aware. Harden is sort of an injury risk, kind of depends on what goes on with him between now and opening day. But DeMar is very healthy, Vooch has been very healthy, Brooks has been very healthy the last couple of years after one off, or one in between a bunch of healthy years, Tyus Jones, we have every reason to believe he'll be relatively healthy. And then you get back into some risks again around pick 95. So, like, what are we really doing here? I don't need super durable in the eighth round. I got my durable guys in the first, fourth, fifth, sixth, and probably seventh. I think that covers up whatever risk I might have taken early. I need one of Kawhi or Harden to really work out. Uh, And if they both do, then this team's an absolute juggernaut that looks uh, very boring on paper but would be really, really good in real life. All right, that was fun. Again, this was meant to be a fun one. Uh, this is not a learning process. This is not like a how to analyze a draft thing. This was a I saw it done. It looked fun. I wanted to do it myself. These are the guys that I'm looking at in the middle of basically every round of a fantasy draft. Uh, most of them are guys that are just kind of falling a little bit. Um and I enjoyed myself, and I hope you guys did as well. Please take a moment to like, subscribe, rate, review, all that good stuff. Uh, again, you can disagree. It's fine. We do not I don't mind if you disagree, and it's not a, a fun or, or uplifting team. My thought is, at the end of a draft, I look at my team, and I usually think, eh, and that means I've done it the way that I intended to. I hope you guys will find me over on social media. I really do um at dan bespris d-a-n-b-e-s-b-r-i-s uh i think that this is a really good way to win a league while everybody else is trying to be the smartest person in the room you just sit back and you're like all right let him come and that's okay it's a really good way to win maybe it's not the most exciting on draft night but it's really exciting in april This had a little bit of both in it, too, by the way. I tried to make a relatively balanced team, which I guess plays more to the Roto side, but uh, if you're head-to-head and you're not punting, I think that that would have made a relatively balanced team as well. Uh, Still weak in a few things, but uh, hanging in there. Again, at Dan DanBaspers over on Twitter. Twitter? Twitter? Ah, screw it. We'll keep rolling. Twitter.com. I am the host of Fantasy NBA Today. I hope you guys will continue to to check out these pods. Um, If you're YouTubers subscribe if you're listening on the pod channels please drop a five star and uh, also subscribe and head on over to sports ethos check out all the amazing content over there the discord the premium the brewski 150 ethos fantasy bk amazing amazing news feed all right everybody hit that thumbs up on the way out see you soon